anime savants, everyone. And uh, hmm, how should I put this? Um, this week I am Shuichi Shindo. Oh damn! And if you <laughs> if you know who that is, good for you. And if you don't, good luck. <laughs> well, this week I'm Captain Planet because I just want oh. to stop fucking raining. Oh no, I need the rain. It's helping with this fucking heat. Oh god, uh, it's been too long. I can't get outside and do anything. I'm from Texas, so like I'm used to the heat, but like it's kind of wild and out up here. It is, it is a little much. It, it's it it's kind of it's wild, but I mean climate change, of course, ignored. Yeah. Um so this week news, um I'm I guess I'm going to start my rant um early. <laughs> um so uh, Super Robot Wars 30 they announced some of the series that are going to be in it. And uh, to my, you know, elation, SSS Gridman is going to be part of it now. That's cool. So that's cool. And uh, Back Arrow is not, but Knights and Magic got into the fucking roster. Oh, God, I remember that one. Ugh. I know. Okay. Like, yeah, okay. So that was my initial, like, response. I was just like, Knights and Magic? Did anyone watch this? So but I, I remember it. I watched the first episode thinking I watched like, the first episode also I, and I was, I was like, like I, don't I was like so this. hopeful that like, oh, maybe we'll do something interesting. I didn't remember to be honest with you, I don't remember why I, I dropped out that I thought it was whack, but I don't remember why it was whack. The premise seemed interesting, but when I watched the first episode, I was like, I don't think this is going to do anything for me. Like yeah. at all. But the good thing is, um, uh, returning shows are Gun X Sword. Um, Love it. What's I'm gonna call it? Code Geass is returning, and they're also gonna have the Mecha from the movie, so that's great. Um, Mobile Suit Gun, Mobile Suit Z Gundam is nice. joining, and then uh, there's this one. What is this? Um, Robo Combatler V. Oh, this is an old one. I don't know yeah, that that's- one. Yeah, it's real. And, you know, Ray Earth. These are just a few of the stuff. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Well, V Gundam's in it. Uh, time Victory for sadness. Gundam. <laughs> Victory Gundam's in it. Oh, wow. And How are they going to do one that the... one? And uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Narrative, the movie. Okay, that one should okay. be cool. You'll get some. Okay. Some cool. So, yeah, now I don't have to watch V Gundam because I'm going to play through the storyline in this game. Uh, so. I am very curious. It, so, in you have to tell me in, in these Robot Wars games, like, how dark do they get? They do basically the whole storyline. They um Everything is done, like, in dialogue scenes, there's no animation. Okay. But, like, they do what the fucked up shit that happens usually happens, or they'll pick things up after the end of the anime storyline, and they'll, like, do little flashbacks and, uh, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it could, it it gets convoluted, but when you put this much shit together, it's like, how can it not get convoluted? Fair enough. Like, you gotta suspend some disbelief. Victory Gundam is a, is a tough one. There's some really cool designs. Especially because uh, some of them are very like you. you I don't want to say like utilitarian, but like simplified for more uh, in-your-face kind of combat, and also have an insect kind of look to them. So if you were uh-huh. kind of familiar with some of the designs of something like Dunbean or some of the uh, yeah, as far as like Gundam-specific stuff, like F ninety-one that movie. Like, and see, I'm familiar with Dunbean because of this game. 
Yeah. So. And in timeline, the closest, um, you know, to Victory Gundam was Gundam F91. So if you're also familiar with any of the designs from that movie, you'll, there's a lot of uh, overlap. Crossbone, mm-hmm. all that other shit. So it should be cool. Did they ever do, like, Crossbone Gundam? Yeah, it was in the past two games. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a fun one. And that's yeah. kind of the, that's the series. And they did it, they did right the before. full cloth version of it, too. As like oh, the final okay, upgrade. yeah, okay. So, yeah, there, there's going to be some cool overlap. It's just a very depressing series, so I'm just surprised. Oh, yeah, I literally was just like, well, okay, so you said it was depressing. So I guess they kind of, like, glazed. Okay, this isn't a Gundam episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess they kind of, like, glazed over that a little bit. Or maybe there was just so much shit going on and so many narratives. No, I know what happens. Um, they don't They don't give Crossbone that much shine in these shows. Oh. Was Kincaid part of another show before Crossbone Gundam? Um, That's a good So there's a weird, like, period of time in the Gundam, like, timeline where uh-huh. it like it overlaps between F91 Crossbone and there's another series. So Okay, yeah. because there was a, from what I got from the story of Crossbone was that like Crossbone has what is that Tobias? Is that yeah. the kid's name? Yes. I got that he was the main character, but I also got the semblance that Kincaid had a, his own series or he was the titular character well, of something Kincaid else before is the, Tobias. Kincaid is is actually Seabrook Arno who's the the main character of the F91 movie oh. under under a different name. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you, that was mentioned in the Okay. See see there's so much stuff going on. Okay. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. yeah, Super Robot Wars. Um uh, I nice. just highly recommend you guys go look up the original character designs. Um I will be playing the girl because holy shit, they know their audience and bitch, she looks amazing. Um the guy looks um edgy, whatever. All right. Next. Um Retro Crush adds gravitation. <laughs> classic so uh, if you classic. don't yeah i mean uh it, it literally my intro to bl literally <laughs> um i should not have been watching it at my age but yeah my intro to bl um so if you want some classic like classic like you want some like toxic relationship shit Go watch Gravitation. Oh fuck! <laughs> On Re- and Retro Crush is free. It just has ads. So hey, you can watch. You can watch it for free. But woo, Gravitation honestly is iconic. Like I, when I found out about that shit, I was like, wait, they making gay shit anime, nigga? What? And that was the end. I always, end. I never really watched it, but I was always familiar with like that's the gay one. <laughs> it is it is it is i want i oh my god i think i watched it like 10 times Ugh. it, it it's, I heard it's it was good it was really really good it it was good but when you like look back on it you were just it's just like oh oh no it's it i don't want to ruin it no go watch it y'all I don't, i'm not gonna ruin you it you can't be talking about ruining a sh- some shit that's been out for well, 20 years i'm pretty sure like i'm well you got shit like what's gonna call it given into like the bl scene is completely different so i'm pretty sure probably the young gay the young gays or the gays and now some of them probably never even heard of it especially if this is their first intro into like bl but it's basically about like a pop star um uh, and a novelist dating and the novelist is like super cold hearted and selfish blah 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 blah. and the idol or it's kind of he's not an idol he's part of a rock band um 
the rock band guy who's clearly the bottom, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, he um is young and stupid and basically like once he gets like a smidget of like affection from the guy, the guy basically just like drags him along or like teases him with it and shit like that. And it does get better. Like, of course, like the novelist is going through his own shit, but just because you're going through your own shit don't mean you can hurt people, especially the person that you're in love with. But yeah, Gravitation's good. It's That's good. I, heard. I had heard nothing but good things about it. So. Do not look up the Dojins. Ah, All right. I'm doing that. And next, um, Isekai Quartet gets an anime film. Um, okay. Cute for them. Huh. I. I just I I tr- I tried to watch like four episodes and I was like this isn't doing it for me because it it's just kind of nothing. It's just sort of a, yeah, nothing really matters. It's like oh, here's some characters you know. I find it more entertaining when people put together like short clips of it, mm, and I'm okay. like, okay, I can do this. But like full episodes, I was just like, no, this. And I'm not. I wasn't even looking for anything deep because I knew it was a comedy. But yeah, no. Hmm. What's next? Penguin Drum is getting compilation films. Fucking finally. We deserve. And that that um Kickstarter or the GoFundMe made shit tons of money. And it says the two films will be out in 2022. So re-edits all 24 episodes. Mm. With new sequences. Cool. Um I I mean the show's iconic simply for the magical girl transformation scene with the mechanical pandas bears. So <laughs> I think I I've just, seen wait, wait, I think I've actually seen that before. It's the one where she yells uh Saison Sengyaku at yeah, the beginning, and then okay. it's like a rocket into that's space. That's what that is. Yes, that's from Penguin Drum. Know, I didn't even know what the origin so was. So many people don't know what that's from. I'm like, bitch, this is fucking Penguin Drum. Have you not watched Penguin? Which a lot of people haven't watched <laughs> it, not. which I mean I don't blame them, but like when people talk about Utena and they're like, oh, he did Penguin Drum, I'm like, oh, oh, I already know that Utena's a lot because Penguin Drum is a lot. Like, mm. it's it's a lot. So, yeah, like hints of incest and like all kinds of shit. Like, like it's a oh, lot. Fuck. But yeah. Um, uh, movies soon. Vinland Saga gets a second season. Um, I was down for saw this. Saw that coming. I was down for this. I had a joke. About I didn't it. finish it. I didn't finish <laughs> it, but I'm not surprised. I had a joke, but then I realized I probably shouldn't post that joke on Twitter because it does spoil what happens oh. in the second half. So it, it stayed it stayed locked up in a very specific Facebook group, and that's where it's gonna stay. But for those who, <laughs> but for those who know, you know what you you know what what the theme of the next season's gonna be. Oh God. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Studio triggers and oh, Shield Hero got pushed back again. Yup. What is going on, man? There's some shit, like really seriously. Going I feel on like here. they jumped the gun announcing the season two and three. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Well, they probably announced it when they got funded, right? So oh, that that okay. I mean th- that happens all the time. But what that what it really says is that production wise. They got some problems. Yeah, because of course, like the COVID pushback, I, I completely understand. Yeah. But this is like damn it. Wasn't it supposed to premiere what last fall? Yep. Yeah. We've been waiting. Yeah, so yeah, man. Well, we 
we gonna see? We gonna see? The only thing that I'm I'm trying to remember is like I know that it's the same it's the same uh, producer. It's Kinema Citrus, um, mm-hmm. but if I like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like most aside from like Shield Hero and they did some work on I know like Sword Art Online, but mostly what they are known for is like in between um, support and like f- animation finishing, which is sort of like so they're a helper studio. That's what the you know, the nature of Kinema Citrus is. And this might be an indication that while they did a great job with Shield Hero, they don't, they just did not have or did not have the staff and, and work order ready to go for, mm-hmm. you know, through over COVID through this year. Cause yeah, they like, they're not a studio that get, that gets by, by just doing like one. In fact, I don't, I have nothing to, to back this up, but I wouldn't be surprised if I went and looked and, and tried to check, you know, what other productions this year uh, are they or were they working on? Because that might tell you why they don't have the ability to get Shield Hero out on time. Because there might be a lot of uh, work with other studios that had their own scheduling problems because mm. of COVID. So I, I have no evidence for this, but like, if you ever go look at their um, uh their production history it's all it's it's long it's a lot of shit you you heard of like they like they did stuff for um the star wars visions that just came out for example oh okay yeah. are so, they one of the studios for that yep they they're they're also deeply involved with like sao and all the movie projects um so point is they're spread out all over the place and i could imagine that might have something to do with it but i have no i have no uh Special reporting. I don't know if this is true. It's just a guess. Mm, they also okay. worked on Skate, and they're going to be working on the Skate sequel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, huh. all right. Um, what else is? Oh, um, Hiromu Arakawa launching a new manga. Um, so I'm just going to automatically assume it's going to be amazing. And yeah. And if you don't know who that is, that's the creator of Full Metal Alchemist. Yep. And was it Silver Spoon and something? Oh, Arslan. And Silver Spoon. Ar- yeah, Arslan Silver is Spoon the one. Too. Yeah. Is that is Arslan done? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't I, know if Arslan is done. I thought yeah, it, that's a good I question. thought it was not, but maybe I'm wrong. I have no idea because I haven't seen any news about it, like like the final volume or anything like that. Yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't know. It's, huh. Well, Whatever, uh, good shit. I'm not mad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bring it on, girl. Give us, give us more. Give us more. Yeah. Uh, rising. Da 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 da. Oh, Misfit of Demon King Academy is canceled. Yeah, but for terrible, terrible reasons. So. Yeah, man. But like, yeah, I like they they they, they got cancer, so it's kind of just like yes, like do what you got to do. Yeah, and it's like understand. it's not even like oh, just a little bit. It's pancreatic cancer. Like that shit. I think killed Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh like, shit i didn't know that oh yeah like it's a you get this diagnosis you're dead i didn't know pancreatic cancer was that serious holy yeah, that, shit that's that's the killer so that's why they oh. just canceled the fucking series well i do know the anime's second season is going to be two cars so yeah. maybe they i wouldn't mind if they push that back to wrap the anime up Mm-hmm. Just to like redo the story a little bit because they know that nothing else is coming. Well, I hear that the light novel has a lot already published. It's just I, the I manga got canceled. I but don't know what's going on. 
Either way, um, this is completely understandable. And, you know, thank you for everything that you've already given us. Because, holy shit. Yeah. Like, bad, bad news. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so this week, the Tales of Arise um, opening movie got released. Which, honestly, I'm looking forward to this fucking game. Simply because it's anime as fuck. Have you seen those? Have you? Oh, shit. Damn, you loud as hell, nigga. Oh. Um, have you? No, not you. The fucking motorcycle outside. Um, have you seen the gameplay from the shit with like the I combo moves? I definitely have. That shit is the. I'm looking forward to the game because it's weeb as fuck or it's anime as fuck. Like there is there is a move in one of the like gameplay trailers. It's a combo move, which apparently is like an integral part of the battle system where the nigga, I'm just going to call him the nigga, even though he's not a nigga, but the nigga, he has like earth magic. He puts earth magic like into the shield, like maiden shield to make like a huge, like blade of a, of crystal on her shield. And she just swings the shield around the entire field. It's like a sword. That That shit. I was like, Oh yes. But this leads into my other story. So, of course, it's a fate, it's a Tales series. So, Ufotable animates the opening. Or recently, because they did it for what? They did it for this, they did it for Zesteria, Bizaria, um, and uh, what's them call it? Oh, fuck. The two of the most popular ones. Oh, my God. Oh, the one that had a sequel. Well, uh, uh. Oh, no. And I know that I'm. I'm... <laughs> I'm, thinking, oh, I'm even thinking fuck. of the, the lead too. He's got like the. It's the Jude. Yeah. yeah. Jude is the lead. Oh my God. Tales of. Uh, fuck. Zillia. Zillia. Yeah, Zillia 1 and 2. Yep. 1 yep. and 2. Yeah, yeah. I, so I yeah, actually. They did those. I beat Zillia 1 and never played Zillia 2 because I th- it was on PS3 and I think my. You're not missing anything. Yeah. I, but it was yeah. the one I wanted to play because that would look so cool. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it did look cool, but like story wise, Zillia 1 was okay. like. Yeah, and yeah, actually, Zillia, I think to this day, Zillia 1 and Zillia 2 are the only ones that I've beaten. Oh, okay. I think in the Tales series. I've played, I mean, there. I've never played a video game in my life that put me to sleep like Tales of um, Zestiria. <laughs> I, I literally fell asleep so many times playing that game where I was like, is it me? Am I just really tired lately? And then I was like, no, this game is just not it. I tried so hard, but like that first, came out. that first stage or that first town that you'd spent so much time in yeah. is, is just, just, ah, uh, it's, it no, it's sleep inducing. I, I, I got, pat, I got to the point where I got the majority of the party members and I still was like, bitch, I have a full party and I'm still knocking the fuck out. I'm going so like, keep it a book with not you. me. I got the, I, I, I didn't make it past that first, that first. <laughs> Cause like they, when you become like the hero and then they go through all that shit and I didn't even get to the first mission in the field. I was like, this is so uninspiring. Listen, well, <laughs> I, I kept it pushing and I was like, no, I cannot do that. That's why I actually liked the anime so much for that. Cause is I was better? like, Oh, the no, the anime is so much better. It's so oh, it's it's condensed. It gets straight to the fucking point in the fight. And I think the anime is animated by Ufotable. So oh. like it gets it gets straight to the fucking point, and the fight scenes are cool as fuck. So I, I'm just like, I'm just this keep, is what I needed. I'm gonna keep it a buck. I've been playing Tales games since literally the first Tales of Fantasia on mm. Super Nintendo. I've been playing Tales games, 
and I, and and they haven't gotten better over the years. Like I I will put my life down. Oh no! Say, <clears throat> oh. I'll, I'll put my life down and say Tales of Destiny still today is is just one of the best RPGs of all time. Not it's not it's not like top <gasps> five, but it's definitely I did top beat ten. Another one. Which one? Oh, um, I beat Tales of Graces. I remember Tales of Graces. That was the one that's like a little different, right? From uh. Like looking, is it like the, I'm trying to remember? Was like the art? Yeah, style. the the box the box art style was definitely like completely different from everything else. Yeah, that's all I remember about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I beat that one. I think that was like the definitive version because it was Tales of Graces F. By mm. the time it got to America, but yeah, I played the shot it on PS3, and I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I think that's what got me into the Tales series, and then they released um, uh, what's the one? With the red-haired lead, but it was on 3DS. Oh, Ooh, Abyss, Tales of the Abyss. Oh, yeah, that and Tales yeah. of the Abyss actually has a pretty good anime too. Oh, I didn't watch the anime. I know That's it has the anime, but I didn't know if it was good or not. It's good. Yeah, and I like oh, I like okay. the story of Tales of the of Abyss as well. It's quite. It took a while for it to pick up for me. Plus, because the lead is the an, is so annoying for the first yes. half of the game. Like he's so annoying. It's not as bad in the anime, but like in the game. Okay, okay, well maybe I should check that one out. Because yeah, that's what I remember playing the game. I was just like, I do not like this nigga. <laughs> like he's just, it's annoying. He's a, he's a shitter, but yeah. Um, but that leads into my next one, which is um the founder of Ufotable <laughs> just got <laughs> indicted with evading 137 million yen in taxes, which is equivalent to 1.24 million dollars. Listen, he's following that Trump train, right? Just like <laughs> people not paying their taxes. I, uh, it's just, I am just so like, how do I put this? It's just rich niggas got the money to do right, but they just choose not to do right. Facts. Like, what? Like, what? Like, you? I'm pretty sure that's money that like you're not even missing, my nigga. Like, I mean, yeah, okay, it's millions, but like. You, you, your lifestyle is not going to change from you paying these taxes. When it's in the millions, all of a sudden people get real froggy about oh. their tax payments. Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing, though. Just hire an accountant that know what the fuck they doing that know the loot. Oh. Well, also, he, he I don't hired know an accountant, Japanese but that accountant stuff. probably told him he could make something happen. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> true, 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 true. But like, so now I'm wondering, you know. Well, equating this to the trailer, so the Tales of Arise trailer wasn't as, like, banger, bangerific as usual, like, ufotable animations or, like, opening animations are. Especially with the use of the CG for the monsters. I ain't like that. I'm not I don't a like big fan at, at all about the... I, I, have a, I have a non-controversial statement, which just will be related to one of the shows that I will talk about this week. But, you know, there are... There are ways to use CGI aggressively even if you want to pull off stuff and whether that's like the way you design your oh, whole show. Oh yeah, like I have no problem with the use of it, right. but in this situation it was it just seemed so out of place with the rest of the animation. Yep. That so, I was just like uh, it was jarring. CG is a tool and a lot of times what it's usually people or studios will use as a tool for is cost savings. But it really should be a, a tool that's used for an aesthetic. And yeah. That, and that's really the problem is that when you don't have the ability to 
pull both of those off, like both use it to save money and also achieve a a, a very specific look, it it can just be very jarring. Very, I think a good jarring. example of a good usage of CG with this particular aesthetic that works really well. Um, and y'all probably gonna be like, here you go again. But this is a very good example, and I highly recommend you go like you don't have to watch or listen to it. You can just like look at a few frames of it done well. Right. But um it's the Go Princess Pretty Cure, the second ending. So they do like they uh, Pretty Cure always does like a dance routine at the end of every episode mm-hmm. and it changes once they get like the sixth ranger. And so the set for the second half of the series for Go Princess Pretty Cure, the CG is literally like fucking it's um, it's like that mixture like slightly shell shaded, cell shaded, but still like CG. It looks fucking amazing. And uh, it fits with like the entire aesthetic of the whole sequence looks good because the CG has a particular aesthetic like you just said. So in that case, I have no problem with it, and I love that ending. So that you got that, and then you got this, which you can use 2D and CG together. It's just, you know, I guess just this one didn't work. And that makes me think, like, was this a cost-saving exercise? I probably have to be. <laughs> because we're learning about this news now, but them niggas probably been, been new about this shit or yeah. knew it was coming. So they were like, we might as well go ahead and start, you know, chip chopping and cutting that shit here and that there. Which now I'm like, well, shit, what we about to see in Demon Slayer season two? I think they'll be okay, but that's me being hopeful. You never know. Well, this is back from 2019. So like this this shit's been brewing for a minute. So production of Demon Slayer, because I don't know if it hit the movie because it was the movie announced. In 2019? No. 2019? I don't think we got a that Hell Train was announced by then. I thought we did. Did we? Or was it airing? Or was the first season still airing in 2019? Um. Actually, oh yeah, I don't, I don't know the particular dates. Never mind. Or maybe what's some call it? I'll, I'll find that out later. We'll, we'll come back around to that. But yeah, um. Going into money again, which actually I'm gonna leave this one up to you, James, because I've done I've done too much talking. Um, <laughs> Mappa and pay rates. Okay, so uh, last week there was some controversy around a statement that was released by a f- animator, uh, Ipe Ichi, who alleged that Mappa was offering really really low rates to animators per cut when working on some of the anime that Netflix has contracted. With the company, the rates that were quoted were somewhere in the range of $34 per cut, which if um, pricing that other folks or experts is to be believed is somewhere between about, uh, you know, a third to a a quarter of what they would normally be paid if uh, air quotes fully funded. So there was plenty of controversy that popped out about that, about the way MAPA has been treating its employees, about the its strategy of having four to five different series at the same time and having animators swap and walk between those series, oftentimes, you know, with different compensation rates for the same, essentially the same work. It was all really messy. No one really knew what was going on. This week, MAPA finally put out a statement. Um, they said a lot of things, and I have my own opinion about what the how to read between the lines of what was said versus what's probably true i think one of the the first claims that they pushed back on was the idea that they'd ever offered what they call quote unreasonable compensation to creators which 
it probably means animators, but it could just mean creative staff in general. Um, and that they offered rates that were fair um, relative to the budget of the project. Now, that's a an interesting way to push back against a claim that you, they're underpaying or even the specific amounts that were quoted, which they also disputed as being related to the Netflix project. But who knows? I mean, this is a lot of like... Oh but, boy! Butt covering as far as yeah. what's going on. That's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like people they're just trying to cover their ass, right? So their claim is that the project that had this really really low rate attached to it was was an anime, but it wasn't one that was ordered by a major platform. So they were working on something with the intention of selling it on maybe to a, a TV station, but whatever project this thirty four dollars a cut rate was uh applied to was not a netflix project now i don't know and frankly i don't really care about that particular statement because number one they they didn't list what that show was and then they got into so if you ever if you actually read the full statement they go right into some legalese about how disclosing rates could screw up some of their uh contractual negotiations that they're having with partners i think oh wow i I think i think that if you if you really dig into it what they're saying is that hey if you start talking about us underpaying for uh for work then people that we're currently in negotiations with or folks we've already negotiated contracts with are going to sue us (laughs) because if i quote you um you know let's say i want to get 70 dollars per cut uh, and I'm paying MAPA to do that work, and then there's an indication that they're actually internally only budgeting $34 for that same cut. Where did the other money go? Now, that that would be the question I would ask if I, if I was a contract holder. So their point of view is talking about this stuff in a way that isn't accurate is liable because it opens them up to potential litigation even if they're doing everything right. Which, you know, if I'm their lawyer, yeah, they're right about that. You know, like it does, this whole debacle kind of puts a stink on a lot of their production practices. And I could imagine that there are ways in which this has been misinterpreted. Or maybe even um, the animator in question who made those assertions may have may have gotten some of his information wrong. But I don't think there's anybody out there with a brain that has been paying any attention to what's going on in the animation industry, in Japan especially, that would uh, imagine that all is roses behind the scenes uh, and that the pay is always above board and that people are given proper rest and work. I mean, again, we're one year out from the beginning of the pandemic. And even prior to that, there were animators committing suicide, people having um, uh, eating disorders, uh, mental health issues, full like psychotic breakdowns at work because of the workload. You know, like this is... This is, was known then, and it's still something that happens now. It's probably only gotten worse because of the pandemic. Yeah. So, yeah. how much weight do I put behind Mappa's statement? The only thing I really believe in it is the legal part. Th- because that's the part that feels like it's actionable, that they don't want people out there putting quotes and numbers behind stuff, you know, because they, they A, it breaks NDA, and B, I have no idea what, like, Japan's... um libel laws are but if it in some way yeah that's one thing that i'm curious about like we know how things operate over here but like what are their laws like what are like the the yeses and the noes or the loopholes for them to like actually get away with this shit or actually like you know 
step step around it and you know yeah i think get from, fucked. from what i've heard they are not good in the sense that um companies and individuals have a lot more reach in pushing back against slander what they can they call slander or libel it's not like the united states where we have a very strong first amendment protection um on both like speech and publication um it's very different so you can get yourself in a lot of trouble just sharing true information uh that a company or an individual doesn't want you to share so the this guy ipeichi may have put himself in a lot of jeopardy legally um for his disclosure but i don't know i'm not oh. i'm not i'm not a lawyer i'm especially not a, a japanese ip and contract lawyer so it just to me mappa is doing a lot of ass covering on one end and in some cases they may it may be true that for specific netflix shows the rate is fair but i've looked at what they've produced and there's a big difference between some of that shit quality wise so i can't imagine they all got the same budget but hey, what you gonna do? So yeah, that's that. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, for me, um, we have like a, the Spriggan trailer, the second teaser trailer. It looks pretty good. I don't know how I feel about a lot of the CG-based anime that have both come to Netflix. I mean, um, Blame was excellent. And Knights of oh, Sedona. Oh, really? Yeah, Blame was excellent. But that has to do with like arts the art style really 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 fit the cg that they the the style of cg they decided to do so and that was a labor of love i know that the author of the of the manga and then um a couple other folks who now the name is casing but like big names they got behind that project from the beginning so that's why i think it, it just came off so well uh but Looking at Spriggan, like I'm still very excited for it. Absolutely, it's co- it's basically following the manga, which if anyone who's ever read the Spriggan manga knows, like what happens in the movie and the shit that goes down in the manga are like orders of bag. I won't say they're different. It's just that the movie takes place like essentially two arcs or two stories into the story of Spriggan. But for us who grew up with it, not knowing that there was a manga, it kind of felt like it was just a movie. And so when I went back and read, I'm like, what the fuck is all this other shit that they're doing first? Like, where are these characters that I was so attached to? Um, so it looks like the, the, the show is following the, the manga from essentially the first episode. Uh, the first, sorry, the first uh, volume. Um, so it's cool. I'm, I'm excited for it. There are some parts that are hand-drawn or look pretty hand-drawn. And there are some action scenes that I'm hopeful if we see them in full that they will take a full advantage of what you can do with CG that you can't necessarily do with traditional animation, but either way, it's got a lot of attitude, which is something that Spriggan 100% needs. So I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay. It just says it's coming next year. We don't have a date, but yeah, looks good. Besides... I mean, Netflix, they can do what they want until other people watch it first and say it's a yes or a no. I'm kind of like done on the Netflix animes. Uh, I think that's fair. I'm kind of done. I'm kind of, or unless like they get a show like Seven Deadly Sins, where I'm just like, oh bitch, I love this before. Well, I don't think that's gonna happen anymore. Where like the show existed before Netflix, and then Netflix picked it up. I don't think that. Yeah, one one thing you know, we can come back around because we've had we've had many years of like Netflix, um, Netflix air quotes originals, Crunchyroll originals, 
shows that have been bankrolled some in like partnership with like uh western companies and i have to say that i'm very disappointed overall in the not it's not really a quality issue it's the choice of what to adapt because to me if i was in charge of that that uh effort at netflix in particular to go and like get original stuff for my for my network that really stands out i would be looking at a lot of these manga and even light novel uh products that never got a good adaptation okay so now you've lit a fire to me because i wasn't there some like debacle or some shit with the guy who's like the head of netflix anime because he didn't know shit about anime yeah yeah so they when they merged um uh, it wasn't Netflix anime. It was it was Crunchyroll and Funimation. Oh, it was the wait. it was a senior executive in uh, on the Sony side. No, there was a Netflix thing. There, no, there's a there's an anime documentary on Netflix about like the guy who's like I guess consulting with Netflix. Oh my god, I have to find. Is it guy. is that the Enter the Anime doc documentary? Yeah, Enter the Anime. Oh thing. yeah, think, yeah. Like, Tanya, was it Tanya Nolan or whoever that is? I think I think that that rings a bell. That rings yeah. a bell. I think yeah. Wasn't there something like that where like yes. the guy like got embarrassed? Not that like he was expected to have like a a huge like comprehensive knowledge of all anime, but like I think someone asked him like a very like generic question, and he was like, "What is that?" Yeah. So this it wasn't an it. It's it's complicated. So. The, the there are two stories that I remember that are related to that. Number one was about that actual documentary. So the, mm-hmm. the host of the documentary or the person doing the interviews is Tanya Nolan, who was someone who said that in the beginning of the documentary series, I don't know anything about anime. And then the, her goal through the documentary, the story of the documentary was her teaching herself about anime, about Japanese culture, and, you know, interviewing a lot of people who are behind the series that were signed to Netflix. Now, that uh-huh. was one part of the controversy. The second part is that she wound up um, interviewing a couple of people uh, who... So, for example, like Adi Shankar, who I love, who's like great. He's a EP, he was the EP on Castlevania. And that, I forget the name of the studio that he runs. Um, but like that, that's done like tr- uh, Tresse, the, the Greek God one, Castlevania... Um, there was another like Spanish Kung Fu series that they did um, or sorry, Mexican inspired Kung Fu series that I'm forgetting as well. And uh, so those are cool. But then like they didn't mention any anime that wasn't licensed by Netflix in the documentary. So how can you really learn about new anime if you're not even really talking to anybody who's any good? But it wasn't that wasn't uh, it wasn't like a producer that or rather an executive. It was this interviewer for the for the documentary the one that was crazy is when the netflix not netflix when crunchyroll and funimation merged there was a question of like which executive was going to basically take the lead on that new merged entity at sony and they went with a guy on the sony side who uh was basically just from you know he, he's been running the 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 business aspect of their anime licensing but he wasn't like a fan of anything, and it really came up because people were wondering about all the Crunchyroll originals, like what the fuck was going to happen to them. Uh, and the answer is, as we all now know, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Oh wow! 
It's a mess. Oh, well, I didn't know that. So now I will. Now I have less faith in that merger than ever. Yeah, it's not good. Um, well, so, okay, this is. Mm. So have you seen that thing about the Crunchyroll market research? No, I feel like that's not going to be good. <laughs> well, no, it says only 6% of Gen Z don't know what anime is. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I could see that making a lot of sense. Um, what's it called? Alden Mitchell Budil, Crunchyroll's head of global partnerships and content strategy shared. And this is all from Anime News Network, y'all. So, yeah, like it's it's out there. You can go look up the article mm-hmm. yourself. But apparently they're like looking at this. They're looking at this data and they're basically like they're looking at a um an expansion into adult targeted animation. And honestly, my question is, why haven't you already done that? Because like. The niggas who've been giving you the money for this shit are our age, like are the adults. So I don't know, but also that's a good sign as far as just like you know, like anime, just like content and just like availability and just like access. Like it's a good thing for like the genre overall because that means if a lot of people from this generation are into it, that means that a lot of people or a lot of companies are going to start targeting that shit, and there's going to be a lot more shit centered around it yeah i mean if they've identified as a growth area that's good i've recently i was going to talk a little bit about this but i watched the first episode of tresse on um netflix which oh how was that it's it's good but i have some comments about parts of it it's not that there's nothing everything i have to do i have to say about it is really more linked to where we're at in the cycle of trying to i like get animation popularize outside of very narrow um genres niches and as this article points out age groups and i don't necessarily know if these like netflix in particular because i now there's like a netflix style of this kind of thing and i i honestly think that they don't they don't get it they they think that what they've got to do is like produce like a slick story and that all those other pieces kind of have to what what you can save money on as far as design just do that and like get the aesthetic get the story i'm like no bro if netflix wants to put itself on the map where is the sakuga where is the like the the trend of the season how are you setting that how are you looking at what is the best of other stuff and then doing think, yours better i think you kind of answered that, like, what was it, like, last week or the week before last about, like, Netflix not really... Because I think this came with the conversation about, like, the studio pay. Yeah. It's that they don't care about the quality. They just want the content. Yeah, they'll say... They'll look at something like, um, you know, like, I'll I'll talk a little bit later about Tresse, but they'll look at it and they say, oh, okay, this is cool. It's got, like, a background from a comic. It's... A lot of brown people, so the casting, we can go very diverse. It's a unique setting in the Philippines. It has it has uh, elements from other successful franchises, things like Underworld, things like, um, I don't know, I don't want to go on all the influences, but like, you know, it's occult murder mystery with a little bit of action. Like, it just, it, it feels very Marvel DC. It's great. Like, it fits into that slot. But that's also kind of the problem with the production is that a lot of things kind of just like fit into slots. They don't, they're not trying to like be the best 
that they can be. And there's really very little on Netflix's whole catalog of original stuff that is like feels like a labor of love. You know, like Castlevania does. That's why it gets so many plaudits and props. The Witcher does. That's why it gets so many plaudits and props. But like most of their originals just feel very focus grouped. That's yeah. So, yeah. What we can yeah, focus focus group. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So, oh wow. That was a lot of news. Oh shit, that was a lot of news. Okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. I did say we had a lot. Um, so shows. Yeah, we can All right. run through stuff. Tokyo Revengers, I think we both watched that one. Um, yeah. I mean, I knew um, the I knew the twist, so this is all on you as far as what your reaction was going to be. I mean, I guesstimated the twist, but I don't think that's the end. I think that um, I was actually pleased with it because I thought that Mikey was going to uh, basically, as soon as Takamichi woke up, be like, nigga, how dare you? And it, he didn't. He basically, like, slyly was just like, yeah, I need you to do me this favor, and if you don't, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this is even better than what I expected!" Like, fuck yes. Um, uh, I do think that Takamichi was stupid because he literally just put a bullseye on his back. <laughs> as far as yeah, uh, Kisaki goes, it wasn't great. Yeah, like he, like at first, I feel like. That's the thing, though. The look that Kisaki gave, which it's like, I have this theory. I feel like Kisaki probably has the same power as him. So the look that Kisaki gave him as he walked by him, like his pupils followed Takemichi and they highlighted, highlighted that. So I was like, why would he look at this one nigga like this out of everybody? And even though Takemichi was dressed differently than everybody else, mm-hmm. I was just like, why is he looking directly at Takemichi like that? So... I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. But they did a great job, like characterizing his villainy, because that smile that that nigga did when he turned around, I was like, oh, absolute filth, trash, like hate you already. And I didn't even know that he was from Mobius, so that was even more surprising. Like, it was a good episode. Of course, a lot of like wild shit didn't happen. I'm definitely interested to see what's gonna go on with Baji. And the the unspoken sixth member, founding member of Toman, who apparently is part of Valhalla. So I'm just like, okay, li- li- listen, the show's good. It's fucking good. Like, I-, I have no complaints. The only thing is I just keep finding the censored version. I just need to find out where the uncensored version gets released. That's all. Yeah. it's Because a- apparently this episode was heavily censored. <laughs> I don't even know what... Trying to think, like, what did they? Maybe he got him getting his ass whooped. Yeah, because they when they did the pan up to like the sky and the moon, um, because uh, people in my comments on my channel they were like, "Yeah, uh, you missed a lot," <laughs> and I was like, yeah. "What?" I was like, "I thought that was still pretty good." And they were like, "No, they cut a lot from the censored version." And I was like, "Oh shit, okay, well, mm. all right, whatever." Yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I think this is like um, we're gearing up for the the showdown. I think that's going to Pe- be this. People keep saying that it's going to get insane. They keep they're not that. wrong. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> not wrong. There's, um, I think, some pretty cool backstory flashback stuff that will take up a little bit of time. But the reason why a lot of people are saying it's going to get crazy is because the sort of climax of... All of this is going to take multiple episodes, so it's not. Mm. It's, so it's not. You know, the, the, you'll have the, there's the scale of everything goes up 
by a lot and therefore the climax takes longer to get through and there's a lot of moments like when just when you think that they're done they got one more for you one more for you one more for you so it's really good oh boy okay it puts you through it but i thought it was just a uh like if you really think about it there wasn't like a lot of activity in the episode like it all pretty much took place in that one scene you know the where the the you know, Tolman had gathered. So it was a lot of variety and I wouldn't necessarily say there was a lot of action, but like I did appreciate when Takamichi like has that moment where he's like, I'm, I just have my mind blown. I don't even know what's going on. I got to fuck this dude up. Like if you compare that, to I where... will give it to him. He actually went with action this right. time, but he, couldn't opposed... get well, he did cry. Yeah. He yeah. did cry, yep. but he actually did something. So I got to respect him for that. I got to give him that. He I took a, he that. took a one step further, which is like, now he's willing to like stand up instead of like cower and actually go in. But you saw he threw that punch and he was like, wait, why did I just do this? Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. And this guy's ass whooped, which was mm-hmm. what, what you'd expect. Because he couldn't say why. He should be thankful to Baji because I feel like the whole gang would have probably liked. Oh, they were about to do that. Do that fucking boondock. Stop him in the nuts. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you thought we were cool, bro? Come on. Yeah. So I I really thought it was over for him. He almost fucked himself up there. Uh, what else did we watch? Vanitas. I liked. I liked this episode. I think I was a little skeptical. Episode one only because I had my expectations backwards about the characters, but now I'm kind of more. I've accepted what what okay. I'm seeing. Okay, so I. Well, this was it was also a funny episode too. There was a lot more like yeah, comedy in this one. They highlighted, which I like how they um uh, they highlight the comedic stuff with like that like the dulled down animation. Yeah, like the little avatar things. That's cute. Um, as soon as I saw Jean with that, with Jean, whatever, um, with that casket on her back, I was like, here we go. I love me a uh, fucking, uh, a character with like a big ass casket or a big ass yeah, fucking like yo! suitcase or something. I thought, I didn't even think anything was inside of it. I just thought, I was like, oh, she just hits niggas with it. Because she tried to but, hit him with it. So I was like, okay, that's, yes! that's cool. But the thing I love about those types of like designs is that you have built-in anticipation. Because you mm-hmm. want to know what's in the box. What's in the box? And, and we saw what was in the box, and it was fucking wild. And that's the thing, though. I also appreciate that they're constantly world-building, yeah. even during the like wild shit. They're like, oh... That's a thing from the Vampire Human War. I need stuff like that. That's exactly yeah. what I need from this series. Yeah. Which I like how it also highlighted that like um the book of Vanitas isn't like the only like wild ass artifact thing out there. Right. Like there are multiple like wild ass things out there. And then also they introduced the burrow, I guess are the machin- the machinations of the burrow and like, you know, I not the hierarchy, but like, you know, Vanitas isn't out isn't out here just like doing what the fuck he wants like freely, like he's definitely being chased and I don't I don't know like there's there's so much more to the story than what they're telling us and apparently someone commented on myself and they said that like a lot of people were getting turned off from the show because they couldn't understand it. I and I can I, I can see that, but I think. Maybe, and I don't know what this about this person's what they meant by it, but 
Well, they were watching other reactors and like apparently like other reactors. I don't know if it's too much information at one time or if like they're not really. I don't know. What I what I'll say is that there are there's a there's a there's there's a language of storytelling. There's a visual language. There's of course what's mm. what's written. And then there's mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, the, the actual like voice performance and everything else. Right? Everything that goes into like making media. That storytelling kind of has different languages. And you can say a lot with pictures. You can say a lot with like the design of a character, the the chosen voice. And the only the thing that maybe they might put people off is that for this series because so much of the setting is borrowed from real life, it I should be able to to maybe look at a scene and kind of guess at the stuff I'm not seeing, if that makes any sense. So if you show me a street, right? Let's say a regular old street, and then there's a lamp, a lamppost on the street, and it looks like the lamppost is a classical Victorian lamppost with a burning flame inside of it instead of like a filament from a from a light bulb. I may not be able to see anything else. Maybe the, it's dark. I can't see down the street. I'm kind of only seeing the sides. And the and the shot that I'm looking at it in is very close in and narrow. But just that aesthetic is telling me something about what's going on in all the gray areas that I'm not seeing. And one of the issues about establishing a new environment is that if you're going to borrow from like our world, from like make something realistic, like steampunk, because that's kind of what we thought the vibe was going in. Whenever you subvert what people expect that they're going to see with your visual storytelling, you can do it in a way that makes them imagine more wild and crazy stuff at the margins, or you can do it in a way that makes it very unclear as to like what else is out there. And for a lot of people, if things get unclear enough, it stops being mysterious and starts being hard to follow. And the same is true for dialogue. The same is true for characterization. You know, the same is true for a lot of stuff. And I would contrast this with something like, um, I wouldn't say like, not Villain Saga, that's a little too, oh, oh um, uh, what was it, not, is it Trinity Blood? Um, Trinity Blood? Yeah, I'm trying to think of like series like, of kinda, an, an anime? Yeah, that had like the same sort of like Victorian um, vampire, you know, oh, aesthetic. Oh, um, oh. Uh, wait, vampire anime. I think I think Trinity Blood was a vampire anime. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it I think it was. That's my memory. I'm just going. I'm going off my memory anyway. But the the point is that like, yeah, you're yeah you're right. Yeah, Trinity yeah. Blood vampire. When I think of vampire anime, I think of like the big boob one. Shit, what the, I forgot what that was. <laughs> that really popular one with the. I think one of the girls was a vampire. Blood is it like like Blood Plus? That was no that- Blood Plus. Oh, Blood Plus is awesome though. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. isn't that werewolves? It, isn't it both? Isn't it? Isn't the lead oh, a vampire? A, I haven't seen it in so long. I'm. I listen. Don't don't take my word for that. I'm just trying to. But <laughs> the the point I'm trying to get at is like you can really go over the top with your um, visual design to try to imply a world that is bigger or smaller or has these different contours to it. When I watched the first episode of Vanitas, the thing I was paying most attention to was the characters. And there's a weird kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, like a weird kind of a, a 
disconnection between the characters and some of the wilder aspects of the world where when you enter that first episode, what do you see? You see that airship that has these very like gothic but almost organic round shaped like, you know, a very interesting look. And then you go inside, you see the characters and they're kind of like dressed like regular people. Like, yeah, guys wearing a white suit. Great. Everyone else kind of just has sort of Victorian or 19th century you know, fine and fancy stuff on. And then you mm-hmm. see Vanitas, the character, and he's like, he's almost like he's coming from a different world. He's got claw gloves, which are like interesting. He's got like, you know, different colors. He's jumping, he's doing, he's moving in ways no one else is acting. And so it's not until you get to the second episode where you start to meet more characters who feel like they have as much interesting things going on in their look and the way they move and the way they talk as the little bits of of like interesting shit you saw in that first episode so it's like the world itself is a little sterile right now but the characters we're meeting are starting to have more life and so i think maybe when you when you lose that storytelling the visual storytelling or some of or get lost in some of the details of like the exposition it can make a show or a thing feel less appealing than it really is because i i'm now more interested after the second episode but it Mm. but because this episode was a lot more traditional you know, like you start out, they're in the jail. They have some banter. It's funny. It's legitimately funny when no- Noe is like trying to, he's like having an existential crisis, uh, but about like not liking Vanitas. <laughs> so he's like saying <laughs> things in a very friendly way that are actually pretty insulting about the other guy. Then you meet like the the vampire in charge of the city. So you instantly you're finding out all this information like, oh, the queen is a- actually has like a counterpart for the vampires that's you know so there's a there's a political relationship there then you find out that the girl from the first episode is like scheduled to be killed they've got to go prove that the you know they shouldn't be locked up so they do this thing to hunt down the jack the ripper type character who winds up just being kind of a mook because they take care of yeah. him really, really really fast then you get this instant introduction to a, which and, emphasizes noel's noe's power yeah like that was a cool <laughs> scene like you get a lot of stuff where like it's not so focused on what is the most confusing character of the show which is vanitas he's not like he he's not mysterious enough to be cool and he's not like goofy and funny enough to have you feel like oh that's just a facade there's like something else underneath. He's still he's still not very well developed. But Noe's character is actually after the second episode, he got a feat. He's like, you know, taking charge. We got some honest to god like Sakuga animation, like when she slammed the uh when Jean the slammed, slammed that casket down, and you see the the ship break and yeah. now and, and they also introduce and the antagonist, which is uh what was the the kid's name? Um Luca, yeah, Luca and and Gene are now the first real antagonists of which the I'm story. as soon as soon as I heard Luca's story, I was like, so you guys are going to be the supporting cast, of course, after yeah, this arc, right? But like, this is this is like basic storytelling, right? You introduce them as antagonists, you set them up so that they they have mistaken information. The heroes kind of have to prove themselves to a bunch of different people, but you also establish them as a threat because they are so powerful that our heroes are like, oh fuck, if we screw up, we're dead, like. So, which means that when they're a supporting character and they get to go do something, you take them a little more seriously because you got to see them kind of go all out in a scary way in the beginning. So, the, so like that is so traditional. Whereas if I compare that to episode one, it's a it's a very like weird first episode. 
all things considered, because you don't get a lot of what is going to make the show tick until the second episode. So I'm I like it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I yeah I did too. I just I'm gonna go more so with just like what drew me in, especially with the Gene scene, was the music really is hitting for me because it's the same composer as the Fate series. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. So because that's one thing that I like noticed in the first episode. I said that the music reminded me of the Fate series with just like um just like the um the haunting chorus in the background, but it's like a particular kind of chorus, like the Fate Fate Stay Night, Fate um Unlimited, Fate Zero, like everything, all of those series, their music is particular to that series. And it's because of that composer. So I when I heard it in this series, I was like, this stuff sounds like fate. And it's the same composer. So that 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 scene where John where Gene was chasing them and the the music was playing, I was like, bitch, like this is this is giving me like the feels. But also it was extremely like perfect because it's the same music in fate where when shit was going down and it's kind of like a contrast like the music is like hauntingly like chill but like a shit ton of action is going on so like it kind of heightens what's going on on the screen in some strange way i think it's the it's like the contrast anyways yeah also the light i still have to say the lighting in the show i've never noticed lighting in the show more than i've noticed it in the show like the way that they like animate lighting is very, very like I feel like it's intentional. But hey. That's I, I also enjoyed it, if you guys cannot tell. But um yeah. Jean, as soon as she appeared on the fucking screen, I was like, I'm gonna like that person. I don't know if it's a girl. I don't know if it's a boy. I'm gonna like that person. And because of the big fucking casket that she immediately used to try to kill someone. Yeah. Yeah, Gene has a great design, a very uh, a really like um, evocative type of design that uh, I think we talked about before. It I love it when a character by their look screams anticipation because that's mm-hmm. what because that's what mm. a, that's what a good good characters as far as just from a design point of view they teach you yeah. a lot about who they are, colors, shapes, clothing style, face, hair. All that should be telling you a lot. We see Jean the first time, completely covered in a robe, faces under shadow, carrying a giant box. That's at least three levels of anticipation. You want to see what they look like, you want to see what's under the robe, and then you want to see what's in the box. And they give you all three in a ramp up over the course of the like last ten minutes of the episode. And you know, like even the way they set it up, where you know they're gonna start fighting each other, but they wait. You could have, you could easily have like had that. The, the structure of that of that meeting be they beat that dude and then instantly get attacked right but no they walk out they they use the talk no jutsu it fails and then they get to the shits so the talk no jutsu <laughs> right so yeah you right you yeah. right so i think i i more of this and i would hope that they don't waste some of the other reveals that we're gonna probably have to get to later in order to sustain this show especially like now i want to know about other vampires i want to meet the vatican people because i thought when i was watching it i thought oh shit these are the people from the vatican but then she said they were vampires i was like "Ooh, what could this be so yeah and that's maybe a whole other fucking thing like they haven't mentioned anything about the church right i I mean that has to be coming soon because you kind of need that like 
antagonist triangle of like vampires who are after them, vampires who are helping them, then like church people who are after them, and like humans maybe that are. Yeah, because who on the human side was fighting them? Right. We don't know. Yeah. So it's cool. Alrighty. All right. um, Standing on a million lives. What a great return to this series. Just great. It felt like. Like, I watched that episode, and I'm like, I don't even feel like I skipped a beat. You know, the the characters are all back, they're in, but they're in the real world, and they are that scene when um, you're... It felt like the first half of this episode was all of them kind of realizing their own growth in different ways, but then also how normal their lives they returned to were, despite the shit that's going on, which I felt was a really a good theme, because they all get to that point in the episode where they're like, we, we, you know, we know that a new mission is coming. Um, mm-hmm. They also spent a little bit of time on the backstory of the new character whose name is now escaping me, but he was not what I expected he was going to be just from the little bit we saw in the last episode of season one and the, and the beginning here. I thought his character would be a, like, how do I say this? Not a kind of like Yankee high school dropout thug. I thought he was going to be more like, timid or more some i don't know something playing playing against type but he showed up and he was instantly like yo fight me <laughs> and then when he was like i don't know what's going he was like freaking out at the at the guide who was still speaking weird i and i have to check this i swear to god it's a different voice actor every time mm. like i the, the the host or whoever i swear it's a different voice actor every time but um yeah like him him getting like a good class and then instantly challenging um fuck now i'm forgetting everybody's name but like you know yeah the new guy yeah which i didn't expect him to lose i i and when i started i was like okay the way we're setting the scene up he's either gonna own this kid or if he misses he's gonna get his ass kicked and as soon as they like they spent too long on the animation of him forcing the guy to his knees i'm like oh he's gonna lose in some comedic way now fuck and it happened but still that didn't it ultimately it didn't matter because the real meat of the episode was them revisiting Cavell and the t- and um what he coronel is the name of the town um and finding out that like 15 years had passed and homegrown i don't had- even remember any of that to be honest i don't even remember the majority of the characters names I just, the fact that the way that it picked up and it kind of just like went on about its business as though like we didn't even have a season break, which is great. Yeah. But the the reveal of the 15 years, that was kind of fucking wild. Yeah. I mean, we knew that that was a possibility, but it wasn't those things that you forget about because it's like you spend so much time in the mission that you forget that like, oh, right. Like, yes. There is some like time dilation this is a real place there was that line that they kind of both both all the characters kind of alluded to simultaneously at the end where they're questioning whether um you know for them they're going on these quests but what they're really doing is creating these like once in a lifetime memories for all the people that they interact with which i thought was yes. like an underrated statement that really grounded and put some context behind the series in a deeper way than i would have expected they would try to go but it felt very earned especially when Cavell was like they had that moment on the battlements and 
she's like, oh, I was, I was in love with you and this and that. And he's like, oh, wow, this is like his reaction to it showed a lot of character growth. In fact, everyone showed character growth literally and figuratively in this episode. And I'm like, damn, this was a good show. I remember why I liked this, this a lot. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. Also, there's some fuck shit with those orcs at the end. I'm like, all right, I don't know where this is going to go. I know it's going to go left, though. Whatever I think, like, my thing is, like, I just go kill them. It's real obvious that they're going to have to come up with some weird solution. Yeah, I... I First of all, I think the queen is going to die in a horrible way. Could I think be. Yep. Homeboy... I feel like Homeboy is going to really, like, fuck her up. Especially because I, the show does not um, skimp on the fucked up yeah aspects of it 100%. like it just it gets straight to the shit where they were just like yeah no they weren't trying to conquer the island they were eating us yeah i was like oh that's darker than i expected yeah go. yeah and i also thought that they were gonna um reject the buffo right and basically be like we don't want this we want human flesh so fuck out of here so yeah which the mercenary thing, like everything makes sense. Right. Them wanting to find mercenaries to get them the fuck off the island, like them being like you know very conscious of the buffo populations and not being able to sacrifice one because they're like we're running out of these niggas and if we run out of these motherfuckers they're gonna start eating us right. in case the mercenary shit doesn't work out. Just it, uh, the setup is great. Um, I know a lot of people felt the way about the return and homegirl being in love with it. I think the fuck, not the most fucked up part, but it was just so just like, it is fucked up. Why? I don't, yeah. A lot of, you I know, the funny thing is a lot of people I, I've talked to either didn't like, didn't follow the series or, or don't think it's very good for reasons. I don't know why. I think the people who don't think it's good are the people who literally are expecting like a Sakuga fest. Yeah, yeah, or that they they want the all of the characters to like I don't know grow into being very generic sort of. This is not that series, no. which is why I actually like it. It does not need. I saw someone say it perfectly. This is the series itself doesn't need the Sakuga and it doesn't need like the generic platitudes because the plot itself and what it does on its own is so fucking good that you don't even miss the other stuff. Yeah, and it's it's confident in itself. And like I, one of the things I had the th- I, I literally had this thought where they when they gave the new mission and it was so short. And I'm like, oh, right. In this series, all these missions are just puzzles. Yeah. They're all just puzzles. And you can have some really weird. Which I was surprised that they found out so early, like, what exactly it is. Well, that's why I'm guessing that they didn't. (laughs) That's the thing. (laughs) I think think that that every time they've had, like, a mission that it's, it's been that's been straightforward. Like, just go to this place. Right. That was like that was one of their missions. And it was not that simple. It wasn't that easy. And I think here, them telling us, whatever we know now just feels like a red herring or that there has to be a, a swerve involved because we already know that whatever their initial plan is, it's fucked. Um, so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Which is good. I don't, I can't guess very much about the future. And like, if I was, if I was like really ravenous, I would go read the manga, but I'm not going to do that because I'm enjoying just like going episode to episode, not knowing what's going on. And also, I, I remember in this episode, they said something really throwaway, but I think it will come back when, um, was it, oh, which character was it? It wasn't Kusue. Um, I think it may have been Iyu, where she said that, that her respawn timer had been changed. 
And they also mentioned that the orcs eat people. And one of the things we learned in the last season is that if you die in a way where your body can't, you know, like you're in pieces or something ate you, you can't come back um, unless certain conditions are met. And I'm like, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. every time they've dropped hints before it's mattered. So it's got to matter now, I'm guessing. But I don't know. Who knows? Fun. I had a good I had a good time with this episode. I did, too. Um I also like the uh, the the scene where she confessed, et cetera, et cetera, blah 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 blah, where she confessed and she kissed him and all that kind of shit like that. Um, at the sunrise or was it sunset? I think it was, it was sunset. Sunset or maybe it was I don't remember. Yeah, sunset. Sunset. And the girls being there for that scene, I thought that was really important. It was, for, yeah. I thought that was really important because, like, as Homegirl was saying, she was like, you know, I just wanted to tease him about it, but, like, I can't even say shit about that. And I think it's, like, hitting home because I honestly still think that he is still processing the fact that he killed other humans. Oh, hell Like, yeah. he's not done with that yet. No. He's still probably—I feel like that was one thing that was, like, creepy to me about the whole episode. He He isn't the way that he was in the first season. No. And it's so clear. It's so obvious, but I don't think the other people have—the no- other— the other isekites have noticed it. Yet. No, you're 100 percent right, and it's like he's different, but not necessarily in a good way either. Like, yeah, it's he, not a good way. Yeah, no. Yeah, like before when you meet him, he's kind of like uh, antisocial, a little bit of a degenerate. He was an se- asshole, selfish. but he was like a practical asshole. Yeah, but now it doesn't even seem like he's being assholeish. No, like, it's like he, it's like he's moved on from the idea that it's a game. But that yeah. may have, but the but when he thought that's what it was, or when he thought it wasn't real, he could sort of be looser and lean into things his way. And I have a feeling mm-hmm. that like the realizations from the last season about that, plus coming back, maybe that's why he lost the homeboy. That's what I'm saying. Like I feel like the version of that character that was somewhere midway in last season would have like won, and he would have done it yes. in some like you know very. And I'm surprised that he swapped to the farmer class to fight him. Oh, that's an interesting idea. I didn't even notice that. You're 100%. Yeah. Right. I that's the one thing that like I noticed. I was like, why was he in the farmer class? Oh. He could have literally like done the maid shit. Now that you mention it, do you do you remember in the earlier part of the episode before they got transferred back the scene where like he's they're having like the the phone conversation and they were talking about like the new guy and he was uh-huh. just like he's oh, he's scum. But did you notice when he was like playing the game? That in uh, his this version of the game, like he had a full party, but then he one of them got hurt or or was wounded, and he stopped playing at the point where he had to choose who to give the potion to. Which was, mm. if you remember back, if you remember back from the first season, his whole attitude playing games was let everyone else just sacrifice themselves. Fuck it, I'm just I don't care about my party. I'm in it. For I'm, we're gonna win. Period. Yeah, right. But in, yeah. but in this one, it's like it, it felt. He feels like indecisive in a grown-up kind of way. Ooh, and that might be that might be the key of this, or that might be the tone of the season is him overcoming his indecisiveness. Because he now he does care about his teammates. Oh yeah, he oh oh absolutely. I'm interested to see what Mage Girl is gonna. I feel like Mage Girl probably gonna be the first one to notice the shit. Could be. What there's a lot happening um, here. There's a lot. And they also this is one thing. Listen, I love anime openings, but they spoiled the what's gonna call it? One, two, three, four, five. They spoiled the sixth party member already. 
I think they they must have. I wasn't paying too much attention, but yeah. Oh well, well, well. Skip. I don't. Ca- I don't care. It's fine. Whatever. It doesn't make a difference to me. Well, I mean, like to me, and I like I mentioned it in my video, but I was just like, I'm not mad that they put the person in the opening. It's just that like, don't I know series? That's another thing that I would be interested in knowing about like anime production is that. There are certain series that like they have two separate openings, or sometimes even three. Or they do they edit like, them, right? Well, they're like they they in edit the openings, yeah, yeah, as the season goes on. So I'm just like, is is that like very expensive, or like is it a huge process to like re-edit it, or is it a lot to go into the process of of like you know the planning stages of. Uh, making the opening and being like hey there are certain reveals that if we put into the opening it's probably going to ruin the season for anime onlys so should we make two or three different versions of this etc etc like is it that is it a waste of money Mm -hmm. like what is it because or is it you know say yeah is it a waste of money or is it them trying to like save money where they're just like no, we're not even going to do that, like, you know, per arc opening bullshit. We're literally, you get one opening. That's it. And you know what? I, okay. Like, it's whatever. I'm not mad at it. I'm just like, okay, but I would have liked to have, like, you know, been introduced to them in the story. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, not now. But that's just one one random gripe. Well, it means we get two missions in this season. Mm-hmm. Minimally. Mm-hmm. So that that's something. And I also read that that like the um uh the transition or like the midway card where it was like there there's supposed to be ten missions total. Oh so, okay. Yeah. So that means there will be what? They're on mission four? So they're gonna by the end of the season they'll be done with five. Or we don't know. <laughs> they knows, might right. end the end they might end the season mid 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 mission five for all we know. So very true. But yeah, what like again, I I I I really like the series. Like it's it's almost similar to Realist Hero. Where it's like a, nothing a, else is really doing what it's doing. Yeah. I would say like the the vibe is is confidence. And whatever the the premise yeah. is going on, like it's not the source material. The source material speaks for itself. Yeah. So, so speaking of which, we can, I guess we can switch over to Realist Hero. Um, this episode, I think, had didn't have to spend as much time on the sort of world building exposition as it did, like getting mm-hmm. the plot moving. So now we we're kind of just getting introduced to what the problems are in the kingdom. You know, the a little bit more focus on the characters. We spent more time with uh, what's her name, Lysia and Kazuya, which they they have a little cute dynamic going down, which I appreciate. They didn't; they're not shoving them together as just a couple, even though that's what the the their, the queen wants and the king wants. They're giving them like they're just working together, and Kazuya is you know the the perfect public servant. And he's observing all the problems in the kingdom, and he's got, you know, he's got a plan. And at the same time, he's going out of his way to, like, educate people and bring bring about egalitarian reforms in the country. And I like that little scene they had in the cotton field where he basically uh, teaches her supply and demand and uh, market economics, meanwhile, 
But I loved it though. Yeah. I, I honestly, I loved every fucking. I'm not gonna say every fucking second of the episode. I thought the magic part. This is the one thing that I really. So back to the economics part in a moment. But I actually really, really, really liked because when he was doing the magic thing, I was like, "Here we go, yeah, typical right, fucking isekai, isekai <laughs> yeah. shit." He's about to break the fucking statue because right. he has so much magic power no. or he's not going <laughs> to have anything. And they actually went, they were like, you have power. It's it's actually just like you know, super unique to you yep. and it's not overpowered. And I was like, what? The ability oh. to do lots of paperwork. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, this is interesting, which honestly, I... I immediately like went beyond and I was just like, oh, okay. He's eventually going to develop the like power to like, what's I'm going to call it. I feel like, well, the way he described it, yeah, he said other split people. his conscience, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like eventually he's going to be able to split his conscience into other people and like rule over multiple areas with his expertise. Yeah. I think there's and a I'm lot of like, ways you could go with that that are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, it's, uh, it's, I was like, he, they're downplaying it for now, but right. I feel like that shit is still very powerful. But even with just like the talk of like the agriculture and then him breaking the shit down and, ba- and like, even the fact that he said, I understand why you did cotton. Like it makes sense yes, why yeah, you did yeah. it. Right. But, he it's like it doesn't work because of this this and i was like oh my god like i'm getting an economics lesson on like a whole other fucking world that don't fucking matter right now like macro and microeconomics like bitch and i'm totally tuned the fuck in like i love it yeah and i'm talking at the screen i'm like yeah girl they starving because they ain't got no crops because everybody making it uh-huh yep mm-hmm oh wow i was like oh so you can sell it to them for less and then you gonna make up for it <laughs> with the exports yes bitch make up the i was like oh my god like yeah, he i like how he he casually is describing like subsidized export economies i'm like yeah, that's, yes. that's, that, that is what you would do if you were in the position of, like, oversupply of a depleted commodity. And then I'm like, if you so didn't have, like, insane billionaires, right. like, in your, running your government. Right. I thought that, I, I thought, there's a lot of, like, just things that just sound boring. But, like, you're watching the show and you're just, you're just rooting for them. Like, yeah. Yes. Fix, get, you know, and get, get all the smart people who can't read. Or he, was, she asked him what we, or he asked her, what was the literacy rate in the country? I'm like, damn, we're going here She's already. 30%? Yeah. 27 or 24? Yo, I was like, you need to invest in education immediately. Yeah. First of all. But also, I have to say, his speech is one of the best speeches I've ever seen in anime. It was great. Like, it was really, the fact that the speech was the highlight of the episode, not no Sakuga. No. Or like, crazy fucking like confession moment or anything like that i'm like that goes a lot that's that says a lot about the show on how good it was because i'm like i think it was so good at least to me personally because this shit applies to real life right like you should give real life people these exact same chances but it's hey. it was it, it's relentlessly positive but not in a way that annoys me in a yes, way that I'm it's like, it's not annoying. It's like I kind of wish my world was like this, which is an awkward thing to say about an isekai scenario. But they're hitting on a lot of I'll stuff. Shit, I'll, I'll agree. Lie. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot shit. of stuff that's there. And again, I think that this the at the end of the day, there's really only two characters that we know very well, and it's Kazuya and, and Lucia, and they're setting them up as a as a couple, 
but they're not beating us over oh, the head yeah. with it. It's cute here and there. It's not. It's creepy. a subtle crush situation, right, right? Which is totally fine. And also, they're not presenting Kazuya, though he has a lot of like. He's not a creep. He's not a creep. He's just someone who does actually care about doing a good job, and has some skills to do it. Right? But is it perfect? But you know, it's a good twist on that isekai formula. And yet, it doesn't need to do all that much, you know, out of the box to make itself work. I, I again, I appreciate it. I described it to someone like when you drink a cold, like bottle of water after jogging, like the satisfaction you feel, even though there's not like you know, it's not, not a lot. It's just water at the end of the day. But you just feel like this is the most refreshing thing I've ever drank because of because <laughs> of what came before. So. Yeah, cool for me, I enjoy it. I don't know if there's much else to say. Other, I than just want, I yeah. want the half human, half um, beast girl to get happiness. Oh she right, she looks, she looks slums. very unhappy. <laughs> Whatever's yeah, going on she's there, she's in the slums. Like at least everybody else <laughs> seemed to have like a semblance of like middle class, lower middle class. Like she's she wasn't in the slums. looking like that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. So like I'm, I need her to get some happiness like ASAP. Like, which I think she's, well, I think the opening gives away, like, everything that those people are going to be in the end. But even so, I'm excited to see how they fit in and the competition or, like, if there's going to be a competition for, like, certain roles and how they're going to do the competition. Is he going to have to intervene? And I also really liked how he said he was, like, the only worthwhile person in this castle is the fucking prime minister. <laughs> right. That's it. He's like, these bums can't do shit. Yeah, he lit and I, that and then that made me second guess. I was like, "Well, who were all those niggas helping you with the paperwork? Like, were they actually able to help you?" Yeah, probably not. Like, or did you already test your magic on them, which he clearly didn't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, either way, I just I I really enjoy the fucking show. Like, it's not revolutionary, but it's not bad either. I agree. Um, I don't know if there was other things that we both watched this week as far as like I, I I dabbled in some other series just to check them out as they come out. Oh, what you dabble in? So then? I watched um, Sukumichi Moonlight Fantasy and also that um, uh, mobile game so, thing, Decide Trauma Ray, just to just Decide to see it. Decide Trauma Ray. Yeah, that's the one that's like mostly CGI. Um, oh, oh, okay. Wait, is that the one that came out? Is that yesterday? Yeah, or it today? came out. I think it either came out yesterday or today, but I watched it today. So I, yeah, quick quick hits on Sukumichi. Yeah, um, let me it's, know. About, yeah, it's Tsukumichi. fine if you're looking for. I would say like a comedic isekai that does do some interesting things, does do a little bit of subversion of the the usual uh, trope because it's technically a revenge isekai, but it's a revenge isekai with more comedy or more. I I think maybe comedy is the wrong word. A lot of irony. Um, one thing I remember oh. from reading the in the first episode, yeah, the one one thing I remember from reading the manga is that the cast is actually not that big, so it it there is sort of a quasi a heavy focus. Yeah, it's a it's not quite a harem situation, so that kind of gets me. But my my hackles go down a little bit knowing that it's not quite as bad as some of the other ones. But the cast is pretty limited. Um, the comedy. It actually works. There's a moment in the towards the end of the episode that ultimately is actually leading up to a joke 
but the way they they present the situation that the main character is in it's like oh this is your you know isekai protagonist fights the the true main boss after accidentally killing off the you know the mobs that were were set up as the boss so there was like Mm -hmm. a joke it was like serious joke serious again then leading up to a joke but the way they it's handled it's like what's the right way to say it's like you you're falling down onto like a a feather bed right it they don't beat you over the head with either the isekai-ness of the setting and the characters nor do they beat you over the head with the the comedy that kind of takes away all the stakes of what's going on i don't really want to give it away but like there's a there's a recurring cast member who's introduced at the end of the series and the way in which they come to follow the main character is actually funny but funny in a i'm okay i'm this is cool like we 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 had to do some like emotional legwork and then we got to have the joke and then that sets up the rest of the adventure so it's harmless it's it's not something i'm gonna like tell people to go out of the way to find but if you want a i would say again a relatively like pleasant comedic isekai with a little bit of edge because there is some like you know combat and violence and things die and whatever but it's you see the art style it's very soft as far as like the design of all the characters then i would say give it a look or just read the manga i don't know i think it might be a light novel so go read that if that's what you're interested in and then I also watched Decide Trauma Ray, which is a uh, mobile game-based adaptation, CGI. I only was taking a look at it. I have no interest in the game. And I don't really have a lot of interest in the series, but I was taking a look at it because it's one of two um, CG-based sort of, uh, I don't want to say, like modern-looking, modern-setting sort of uh, shows that are premiering both. It's this one and then um, Night... Was it Night Brain or Night Something Twenty Forty One? It's I yeah hold on yeah there were live. there were there were two this season so I said Night Nighthead Twenty Forty One Nighthead Twenty Forty One so I just wanted to take a look at both of those from the art style point of view to see what they were doing that was different since they're both mostly CGI with a little bit of hand painting a very small amount so um, Trauma Ray again based on the mobile game the concept is very Persona um, inspired where you know people with extreme negative emotions are creating or somehow being manipulated into creating oh, monsters wait it's based off of a game it's based it's based off a mobile game um but you said persona that is a very yeah that's a very that's a trigger word for weebs it is so i mean oh, you can boy. you can feel a lot of the persona influence influence especially persona 5 in particular really um, as far when as, did this game come out i don't know it oh, seems like now, uh, now i need to research. maybe a couple years old i mean it must be it must it must be a couple years old because it would have had to have made its money a year ago in order to them to bankroll an anime so quickly but oh they're trashing it holy shit yeah okay go ahead go ahead yeah i don't i i highly doubt it's it's any good but there were some things i did in i did like about it before i realized that it was a it was a game because I I just started watching it just to see and then I got to there's a moment like five or ten minutes in where he kind of has this like battle in his dream and I'm like this feels like a game introduction like you've got the little like first enemies you'd fight a boss creature that you'd be introduced to and then you kind of leave the tutorial so to speak 
And I was like, yeah, that feels like a game. But a couple things. Um, there was actually some pretty good uh, 3D animation in particular. The main character does mixed martial arts and boxing. And so there was a, there was a scene where he was training at a boxing gym and leaving aside the fact and that... And well, you know about this kind of stuff. So was it accurate so, as far as like what he was doing? Yeah, so that was what was interesting is that if you leave aside the fact that they were definitely saving a little bit of money on that CGI by not doing things like animating the toes and the bat, you know, like a, per- a human skeleton, if you're fighting barefoot, you put your foot on the ground, pivot off your ankle, there's going to be a lot of parts of your foot that are going to move. So I noticed mm-hmm. that like they were not, they were saving money by not animating to the level of like each, every single joint. But you know what? I saw some actual. I don't know if it was rotoscoped or or uh, they had a human actor do any of it. If it was just like um, animated frame by frame, then that was actually pretty damn good as far as like um, the movement and the you know animation cycles look really nice. But what I wanted to point out about this series, whether you're interested in it, whether anyone goes and like picks it up, watches it, likes the game, don't really care. This was an example of a show that had learned things from the way anime is presented with its camera work. So, for example, you'll very often in 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 uh, in sort of non CGI anime, if you have like, say, you want to do the scene where people are walking to school and you want to like introduce the various characters as they walk, where would you put the camera? You, well, if it was a traditional hand animated show, you'd put the camera profile you know basically probably like waist or neck up and then you'd have like the characters come into frame maybe they turn their heads to talk to each other right and that's a very like anime way to shoot air quote shoot the scene a lot of cgi shows don't they want they they feel like oh well, we've got this 3d camera we can kind of put it anywhere or we can try to like mimic movie um framing for shots this show yeah so they yeah this show does uses anime framing for shots which I think is a, it makes it come off a lot more natural, and it makes the oh. reliance on the CGI for it, because it's a 100%, for the most part, with a little bit of, like, overpainting. It's 100% CGI, but they the, the character models and everything else look better when they're shot from perspectives that mimic a traditional anime. And they do that a lot. They do a lot of, like, um, uh, rapid, like, cuts, but they're cutting to say, go from profile to head-on, and it looks really good because of the way it's edited. And, you know, maybe the the character models in re- in reality are not all that detailed, but they do enough stuff with effects and other things. Like, there was a, there's a scene, and I don't know why I'm focusing on this particular show, but, like, there's a scene where the main character is walking down a street at night, and the premise is he's supposed to get bit by a mysterious creature, and then the creature escapes, and he's like, oh, fuck, and he goes home. The shot that they have coming in is not good it because it's him walking towards the camera and you can kind of see like a little jankiness in terms of the the post-production of the background and then his walk cycle forward. But then it immediately cuts to a much more traditional anime scene where you like you see him from the profile, you then you see like something move, the camera switches, you see the animal in the shadow, it bites him, and it's like you're it's his his head looking down, so you're seeing his perspective. And then you get another one. And I was like looking at that like, oh, they got a good... Whoever was the director, at least of this episode, very competent. 
it, I, it hurt my heart because I thought about what if only fucking Berserk wow. had had like wow. a director who was this competent. Now, everything else I'm going to say about the thing is like very kind of, it, it's it's pretty generic in some sense, but there there are some cool scenes. So I don't know if you're a fan, if anyone's a fan of this, uh, of the mobile game. I'm sure you'll get a lot more out of it than so I So you're did. saying it's worth just checking out. Yeah, it's in, it's actually interesting to look at and nothing about it is offensive. To me, it wasn't offensive to me. There's some good VA performances. A couple of them I think were were pretty decent. The music is pretty good. Um I can see from the first episode what, what direction What studio is this? Who did this? I don't, I don't... Oh, it's the Black Rock Shooter Studio. Oh, well that explains a lot, doesn't it? Oh, Babuki Baranki? Okay. Yeah, that they explains have, a lot. They have I, experience. I remember Babuki yeah. Baranki. Is, I didn't finish it, but yeah. I also thought it was very, like... Li- I didn't even know that it got a second season. It was very lively. That's what I remember from the first couple yeah. episodes. And this has a lot of... Like, I, the main character is very, like... Um, is spunky the right word? Like, he's got a lot of uh, life to him. And the VA plays it up, even though he's kind of a dope. Like, there is a really cool action shot at the last... Sort of like in the in the closing parts of the episode where they're dealing with their first boss like character, and the and there's a part where he gets like these gloves and he like pounds them together and he does his MMA like fighting stance, and it's shot from you know a what? good angle. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense because they're the same studio that did Arpeggio of Blue Steel, oh. and I liked a lot of the CG in that anime. Okay, so wow, I didn't even know Arpeggio of Blue Steel has a movie. What the fuck? interesting okay so i'll, Anyways, I'll, I'll yeah, leave that going. there as far as like a review goes i have nothing special to say about it beyond that but give it a look even if you only watch like you know you skip around the first episode just take a look at like how the show is directed because i think it's very competent and maybe exceeds the source material in a in ways that matter i'm not gonna probably follow back up with it all that much unless i have like a lot of time but i it, it, i didn't hate the fact that I spent 20 minutes checking it out. Like, it was definitely worth taking a look at. I mean, that's a pretty decent recommendation, especially for something, especially for a, a gotcha video game adaptation. Oh, speaking of, everyone, um, go watch. I'll save that for my recommendations. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> so that's it for me. Um, so, for me, um, even if you do not care about the series itself, Take your ass to Sakuga Boru and watch all of the Sakuga from the first episode of Dragon Maid S. I've been hearing about y'all, this shit. Y'all, this was, first of all, I'm just, the, the episode itself was one of the, no, I think it is the best second season first episode I've ever seen. Oh, shit. It, it was so fucking first of all it was accurate as far as like the continuity wise um uh, the feel of the episode was exactly the same as the first season it literally picked up as though like nothing had changed um the introduction of the new character was fucking amazing because you know how some anime they'll tease for like a new season or like second character they'll tease shit but the new shit won't happen in the first episode no Hmm. no Hmm. the the new character and you know what what you've been saying about the boobs 
it makes sense. I understand. I don't. I don't understand why they're. I understand why they're bitching, but I, but also now I don't care why you're bitching because this was so fucking good. Okay, you guys. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna describe a scene from the fight scene. These two girls, they were fighting. They weren't in dragon form. They were fighting in their humanoid form with dragon fucking powers, which has no, it's, it's so fucking insane because like it, it's a slice of life fucking anime. Isn't it, isn't it <laughs> and, though? <laughs> it, but like the fight scenes literally come out of nowhere where these two girls literally just started like throwing hands in the middle of the fucking sidewalk to the point where another dragon was like, I'm part of another faction, so I can't be part of this fucking fight. So I'm just going to like make all of us invisible while they like beat the shit out of each other in the fucking air. And when I tell you they beat the shit out of each other in the fucking air, they beat the shit out of each other in the fucking air. This bitch. So I know I, if you got, if you're listening to this, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with some kind of fantasy dragon. You know how like dragons sometimes have like that organ in their body that helps them produce flames. And it's like highlighted as they like make the flame. <laughs> are you, are you good. familiar with this? Oh, you know where I this do. is going? The new character's flame organs were her fucking boobs. I knew it. When this bitch took in the breath, at first I thought that the main character had like made a flame inside of her. It was going to blow the bitch up from inside. No, this bitch's fucking flame organs were in her fucking boobs. So when she took in the breath to ignite the flame in her body to expel, both of her boobs fucking lit up with like, internal flames and then she let it and i was like this is perfectly on brand no it's perfectly on brand it's perfectly on brand for this fucking series because in the first season of made dragon um uh, the like the main dragon and like the young dragon literally were like we're gonna fight and they teleported to like some random fucking place in ireland and a random deserted island i think i've seen that just that scene Yes, that's it. And that's the thing. That was the first scene that like highlighted that it was like, why is this in the series? <laughs> this was not marketed to us. What what the fuck are y'all doing? And this was one of those scenes where it's like, we know now to expect random Sakuga. Like, and it's good. It's so good. Mm. It's so good. Because I feel like Kyoani random well, especially after the fire, they've had a lot of like, you know, rebuilding to do, but does Kyoani doesn't really do a lot of action series, do they? Really. I'm sure if you go back and look, you can find... I feel like they've done some, but like that's not their primary... Like Kyoani is primarily like slice of life like studio. Yeah. Or like heartfelt drama studio. Yeah, yeah. So like the Sakuga is just so out of the fucking... Just like it's out of nowhere. This was it was so good, y'all. So this is why I'm telling you. If, even if you do not, you don't even have to watch the series. Watch the Sakuga from the first episode of Dragon Maid season two. It is so fucking like Homegirl kicked Homegirl on the bottom of her chin with her fucking foot and skyrocketed that bitch into the fucking air. It was fucking amazing. All I know it is was, that I've seen that the new character a picture. I'm like her boobs are gigantic. That's all I know. The, they are fucking And they, they accentuate that. But then also, they did, in typical Dragon Maid fashion, which is they highlighted, like, her, um, 
not her humanity, but like they developed the character within the same episode that she caused like unnecessary chaos. Yeah, sure, of course. Like they they gave us a new character and they basically like foreshadowed like all like not all, but like why she is acting the way that she is and how our characters can help her. Mm-hmm. And the best part of the episode hands down and this is coming from like a gamer from a gamer aspect is um the dragon fafnir which is the male dragon that came over um in the last season he basically like came over to the human world and he basically is literally just like he his like i guess lore was that he protected a treasure or whatever so he like stayed at home all the time Mm -hmm. so in the human world that transferred to him staying home all the time and he basically becomes like a hardcore MMO gamer. Oh, that's good. That's cool. So in this season, the final fucking skit, which was like ten seconds, was him trying to log into his MMO account, mm. and they banned his fucking account. Oh, why? So that sucks. And so, well, no, it doesn't. The funny part though was he literally tries to log in three times, and then he just gets up and walks outside, and then the human who like is like his like companion that's like taking care of him turns around sees what happens and he immediately runs outside and he's like where is that man um our he's about to destroy our world oh, fuck. like oh. we have to find him immediately <laughs> because his account got banned like, and, he lived, and that was like yes that was and i'm like this is why i love this fucking series because it's like these microcosms of like not microcosms, but like every dragon that comes over, they have like a human that they end up staying with. And every single one of them has their own dynamic that is like comedic, yet also like serious and like an allegory of like real life shit. So if you can and you have the time, watch Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid season one and then watch this episode. But if you cannot, just watch the Sakuga from the first episode of season two. Well, because that, that's a ring endorsement. It was Fuck it. it was fucking amazing. No, it, it it is a ring. It I I was nowhere to be found for the controversy over the new character's big tits because I'm like you're you're complaining about big tits. This yeah, it's all. It was, were you it's were so you much. around yeah. for the 2000s, like 2000 to 2010? Were you exist? Did you exist? No. Because oh, actually no. The people who are probably mad about it are probably the people who came into existence during that time. So yeah, I, anyways, uh, uh, I have a lot to say about that, but I'm we'll not, save it for another time. I'm not, I'm not surprised by this. Like high school DXD, like what? No, okay, like I'm not. I don't watch it. It's not for me. But also, big titties are a part of the real world too. So like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you've seen some big titty women out here, and you're like, oh, those are big. <laughs> okay, yes. And you know what? They're also taxing because you know how many fucking women with big titties have to get surgery to reduce them because it fucking it hurts their spinal cords. There you go. So like, don't become okay. Anyways, that's a tangent. That's what I said. We can just we can we'll we'll revisit all this. Yeah, but yeah, that was one of the best first episodes of the season so far. Remain season um episode two, um. They kept their they kept the theme. This is going this is not gonna be your regular just like sports and that's all my life is. This is going to be um an exploration of people overcoming their traumas. Good. So great. I'm in for it. 
Like, yeah. And I think and um also Slime Season 2 Part 2. Um it it was it was slime and if you know what slime is it was it's good like it's it's literally the same thing it's fucking good it's a setup episode it was a lot of comedy and yeah i mean to be honest if they had entered this season with the darkness that they ended the last season <laughs> on i would have been i would have been shocked i would have been shocked i'm not gonna lie but they didn't so you know that's what it is and i think that's all i do have other things i, I want to watch the detective is dead and then there's also oh my god what is that one there's a one it's a it's a time travel one um but it's like a one time time skip and it's like a guy getting a second lease on life um bokutachi no remake and it's about college too. it's a slight it's a comedy slice of life one and uh, i have not watched those yet because both of the first episodes are 60 minutes mm, okay so I'm like procrastinating on it because I know I'm going to have to edit 60 minutes worth sure. per thing. So I'm just like, oof, I got to I got to watch these. And the second episodes are almost out. Yeah, so, sometimes these shows, they don't uh, they the content may be what we want, but like the the ask is too much. Mm. And I've also heard good things about the um, uh, Shiroi Suna no Aquatope. What oh right the aqua, yeah the, the aquatope on the white sand i've heard a lot of good things about that first episode um and it's it's another slice of life but it's by it's pa works and pa works does really fucking good i think didn't they do um hanasaku he wrote oh yeah yes yeah they did yeah yeah so uh, yeah they do really really good slice of life stuff so yeah, I, I, I think Kanasaku Iroha was one of the first like slice of life animes I actually watched and got like really into. I mean, the only thing for me is I have to get around to watching Hathaway's Flash because every time it's just because it's a movie length thing. That's the only thing stopping me. It's like ah, oh, I want to watch it, but do I have you know ninety minutes here or whatever it is? It's about ninety mm-hmm. minutes. Like that's that's mm-hmm. like it because it, literally every time I'm reminded that it's out, I'm like oh fuck, I need to be watching that right now. Why am I doing anything else but watching it? Ah. But I will get around to it. I will definitely watch it this week. Need me, I need me some giant robots, man, because we ain't getting no mecha nothing. Oh, my God. We don't have any mecha Not this season. Not nothing zip zilch. And, like, to be honest, like, the bar is set by back arrow from now on. <laughs> so, good luck, everybody. Actually, you know what? I have mecha because I didn't watch a dinosaur. Oh, oh so shit. I, oh, you have a good one, too. Damn it. So, yeah, I can catch up on Zydinazanon. To like make up for my like lack. Oh, by the way, Dinosaur would fit in with the vibe of this season much better than last season stuff. Like it's very easy to watch. Yeah. Oh, really? It's very okay. easy to watch. Okay. Okay. I'm just putting that out there in the universe. Um. Well, we we did cover a bunch of stuff, but there were yeah. A, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna limit myself to just the one recommendation for the week, but I'll let you go first. If you have something. Oh. Wait, did I forget my recommendation already? I have multiples. Yeah. Um, uh, everyone, play Monster Hunter Stories 2. You need to. There's PvP. I'm fucking absolutely undeliberately obsessed with the fucking game. It's literally Monster Hunter Pokemon, Ooh. but like way better. Okay. And like 
Yeah, it's like you can alter the genes of your monster to give them particular moves. So like you can have like a Lagombi with like fire fucking oh, powers. Shit. So you can go into PvP and fake niggas out and basically be like, oh, Lagombi's ice. I'm going to hit them with fire. And you're like, no, nigga, my Lagombi is built to have <laughs> fire coming out of its lungs. He built so different. What? You fucked up. He built different, nigga. So, and I gave him a water move. So what's going to happen is you're going to hit my Lagombi with fire. You're going to realize he has fire resistance and then you're going to get hit with a water move from that nigga. That's cool. And I'm going to win. So like, yeah, it's literally Monster Hunter Pokemon, but like the battle system is just, uh, it's similar like to Persona's battle system. Mm. Um, in a way, anyways, y'all just look it up. It's like all the reviews are really good for it. It's fucking amazing. I had an anime review at the beginning of this episode, and now I've completely fucking forgotten about it. Oh no! Oh my god! Oh, no. Okay, well you go. You'll you go. Okay, so <laughs> my recommendation week. for the week is part of my almost never ending oh, quest. Oh 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 uh, oh! yes, I'm excited for this. Is, okay. To to get to the absolute bottom of Manwa and webtoons, and I thought going into this one that i'd found i'd found the floor uh it's a um, series called her summon uh by Mm -hmm. jin june park and Mm -hmm. it it caught me by surprise so the premise oh the 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 premise of the of the story is that the the main character jin jin kyung is a um an idol otaku basically he is obsessed with following idol groups and dur- and he's one of those people who like goes to the shows and will like videotape and take pictures you know he's part of that ecosystem of otaku and and not necessarily ones with the best reputation so he's at a show for one of his favorite um performers they're part of a group and he winds up on television getting interviewed about why he's there what his interest is and so on and the he makes a joke Basically, it's a play on the the name of the performer, which in Korean, and I don't know Korean, but I guess it's like the performer's name is So On, and I guess that's half the word for child. And so he made a joke and said, "Oh, I'm." He was trying to say, "I am a a, a obsessed with So On," but the way he said it, it's whatever the Korean word is for uh, a child predator. Um, and so this causes a scandal. Because he's like on TV basically saying that he's a pedophile. And he gets doxxed. And his name and face are put all over the place. And he's humiliated. And as a result uh, of having his life sort of turned upside down by making a bad joke. He gets a kind of social anxiety disorder. Where he basically turns into a hikikomori. Where he locks himself in his room for three years. Doesn't want to go outside. Has all kinds of trauma. Because he's uh, convinced that the entire world still knows of him as a as a pedophile and so or admitting that on tv and the result of that um is that he sort of spirals into his own his own fantasy world he kind of gives up on human interaction causes all kinds of problems with his family because he's living with his mother and father both of whom who have no idea how to reach him and the father is just like despairing like fuck like my son is just a a piece of shit. I can't believe I got this is I have to deal with this now. So, you know, he's in he's in his own little world. He's shut in and one day, he as he's sort of no lifing and on the internet, uh he just gets randomly 
summoned temporarily to another world where he is called on by a summoner, basically a young a young girl, to defend her at a point where she's about to get annihilated by a giant monster. And it's at that point when he realized that when he's in that world, he's basically invincible. And, oh. and so the story kind of progresses from this. So that's a very, 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 very typical sort of setup for a isekai. Very typical. But there's a lot of things that are going for her summon that uh, I think put it leagues above a lot of stuff that I've actually read in the last month or even really... It's one of my favorites. I'm looking forward to it. So the first is that the art in this series is absolutely fantastic. I think I had mentioned before that Leviathan was a series that I had stumbled across that had a very unique art style that was gorgeous. Yeah, you mentioned Leviathan before. Right, it was yeah, very yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. But the thing that separated itself from the other sort of, I would say, generic webtoons was that it had a it felt like it was very deeply inspired by more western um comic design so for example having very defined um lines around the bodies and faces of characters they didn't look like your generic webtoon they looked like a very like mixture of east and western sort of design plus they had these grotesque sea-based monsters that really stuck out in this series her summon the art style is a is what is to me it feels like if you've ever played um any of these sort of uh collectible card games some of the the anime ones i think what was it um um rage of rage of uh bahamut on one end or even like magic the gathering where you have these like they look like you know paint like hand painted watercolor sort of like yeah. fantasy settings that is the art style of about you know ninety percent of the story with it when it's in this other world, and there are some absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous panels that you just sort of there because it's designed in a webtoon format. You can really get a feeling of motion and of scale as you sort of sl- you know flip down through a scene, and it also uses that same f- way to capture movement because when Jin Kyung is in the other world, he has he's essentially using all of the ma- mana of Earth where nobody can use magic. So he has like a planet's worth of power behind him. He's like a he's Superman essentially in spirit form. And the way oh. they and he's this powerful from the beginning. And so the way they show his movement, his you know when he's battling these other like like titanic uh creatures, demons, spirits is really out of this world. So that's what hooked me just to continue because his relationship with his summoner was was very interesting because he's coming in as this antisocial and it's like a little girl right yeah it's a little girl and she is basically being enslaved by the ruling class of the of her world and is treated like she's trash as like a summoner because she can only summon this one spirit and it's him and meanwhile he thinks that when he's in this world he's going to be so cool he's going to be like everything he couldn't be in the regular world, but it turns out that like all the things that kind of make him a degenerate shut in are also embarrassing and not cool in this other world. And so what kept me in this series was not just the great art. It wasn't just like the endearing characters because they have the, the cast is, it starts out very small. And so they have a lot of time to develop together, but it was also the fact that the main character has to go back and forth often 
between the real world where he's in and then this other world where he's summoned to and his reality in the real world oh he goes back and forth back and forth and but his reality in the real world sucks and he still has even though he's able to fly around and basically be a superhero in that other world when he comes back he still suffers from all of the social anxiety where there was like two chapters that were strictly dedicated to someone he had ordered a package and it was dropped by at the door of his house and he this is someone who hadn't even left his room in three years other than to like go to the bathroom and he had to like get to the door open the door or look outside to make sure nobody was there open the door get the package get back in while he's battling his own anxiety and what he goes through for the payoff at the end of that little bit was really put me in the mindset of someone who had crippling social anxiety disorder there's these panels where it's like a zoom in on his eyes his eyeballs and there's all these like words written into his eyes about like fear and all this other stuff and it was very oh like my God. And it was and the other thing i didn't even notice this until i was like halfway through the series someone had written in a comment that did you all notice that like when he goes to the other world it's in color but when he's in his own world is basically black and white and i was like oh <gasps> shit i didn't oh. even notice that that oh oh that's a really good oh yeah okay and it, and so there was a lot of things like that of course i, I don't want to give away any of like the plot twists that come later in the story but suffice it to say this is a series that manages to grow its world in a very organic way to the point where when you're later on there are whole chapters that don't feature any of the main cast at all and in fact they feature new characters who have you know, like it, oh, it's kind of like Tower of God. It, it starts to it starts to feel that way. Now, the, now I will say that it's not quite as a grand a uh, story as Tower of God is, but the art makes everything feel humongous. Like the the places that they're visiting, because of the scale from like a little human to these titanic like demons. Like I don't know if you're familiar with um uh. If you think about like Attack on Titan, the scale there between a human and a Titan, imagine creatures that were bigger than mountains or like crazy shit. And that's that's stuff you're dealing with almost from from jump. So I won't I won't say anymore. It's a great series. I was really turned off initially because the literally the first panel was that I'm a literally the, the, the words were I'm a pedophile. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. I had checked out immediately. Mm-hmm. I had to walk away for an hour. But I had committed to reading a couple of chapters. And by the first chapter, you know that this is like, they're trying to do something different. And again, the the art stands out so strongly that, you know, it, what, there's nothing much else to say. It's It's a really cool. Also, there's like this idea of him whenever he brings random items from the real world like a battery or a a lighter because in the world he's going to your imagination is is a big part of like the power of things there are both like really cool moments of him like using regular common household items and turning them into super weapons on the other side and then also a gag in the first uh the first 10 chapters that involves the uh his 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 misunderstanding about isekai tropes and thinking that he can cre- make something happen and it goes horribly 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 wrong to the point where I'm probably scarred for life as to the the image what? the image that it that it that uh was created as a result of that I'm just gonna say it involves a micro bikini and a very 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 fat man 
and I'm just going to leave it there. So I would say check out her summon. I think oh, you will be pleasantly God. surprised at how creative and fun and well-written and gorgeous the series is. Wow. Yep. I don't even I'm not I'm not I don't even want to imagine. Okay. It was a trip. Ah! <laughs> okay. That 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 okay. I don't want to okay. I'm trying to stop myself from imagining what you just described. <laughs> I don't worry, I'll show you. <laughs> Off we're done. Oh, you'll, God. You'll, you'll you'll see it. I'm even interested now. <laughs> it's it's a it's a great read. When you when you showed me the pedophile panel, I was just like, oh, 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 wow. Yeah, is this a lot. this actually got published? Like, what? Yep. And this is not like a dark net, like right <laughs> fucking like random website thing. Like, oh, okay. So, yeah, um, I, okay. Has the pedophilia come up anymore? Uh, no, I'm not like direct. Like he's, he's a, the whole, that, that was a joke that his character was trying to make. But, you know, it's like the joke of uh, someone with like, okay. no, and that's a, the recurring theme a lot in the early part of the series is just how, you know, he's so disconnected from how real people talk to each other that he, uh-huh. he, he constantly tries to, I don't know, be, being cool is the wrong word, but he like tries to act the way he thinks will make him look good or be funny or be charming. And instead it's like creepy because in fact, that's what a lot of nerds with no social training are They're Everything they do is a little, a little too creepy, you know? But he gets better. There's a good scene, I think, you know, early on where he realizes that what he's been saying and the way he's been talking, you know, is just not not good. <laughs> and he tries to go he literally goes on the internet and searches for how to like talk to uh how to talk to a woman and realizes just how, you know, unskilled he is. Um so, you know. It's stuff like that where the they they don't try to they don't try to make his bad behavior or his weird behavior out to be anything that anybody should emulate. It's a failure of his. Okay. You know that that he's trying to fix, which I think is cool. I mean, at some level. On the other hand, it's also good for comedy. For example, like he he has this thing where he hates people, where he looks down on other types of nerds, especially people who do things like buy figurines and like worship them. And then you get his like inner monologue of him talking himself into buying a sexy statue, and it pays off comedically later on. But it's just so funny because I know people like that who like they'll be big time nerds and then they'll have like, oh, I'm I'm a big nerd, but I would never do that. And then like you know a few years later you go to their house and it's like they've got all that same shit. So it's like, what were you talking about? Oh wow. Okay. <sighs> All right, well, maybe... No, I can't start a new one until I catch up with Tower of God. You, you do whatever it. you want. It's there. Read the first few chapters, will, see if you like it. I will keep it on my... On my Listen, I'll keep when it on we, my radar. I have we, to make goals or else... 
When we do the big manhwa episode, I'm going to hit y'all with so many series. So many. The good ones, not the yeah, bad ones. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm literally like waiting because I'm just like, okay, I'm going to have to like order dinner or some shit and like, you're just going to be talking. I'm going to be like, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, oh shit, for real, oh damn, what the fuck is that? And like, I'm like, that's going to be an episode, y'all, where you probably will not hear me <laughs> much. You're, you're going to get a lot. You've been compiling this for a minute. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that should be good um but yeah that's my that's my recommendation for the week okay um and that's all we have for this week i'm not even gonna go into my little tangent because we are <coughs> over two hours yep so if you have not already make sure you follow us on social media um anime underscore savants on twitter and then anime savants on uh, instagram youtube tiktok and facebook and uh, um if you want to see me do random ass um reactions to shit follow me on coral shore on youtube yep and you can always send me hate mail at neural handshake on twitter my i did not get the the mentions that i was expecting after my long rant about mahoka mahoka which is i I deliberately made I deliberately made the clip for this week's episode about the Mahoka stuff, so I'm actually shocked. Well, I it's been all I been quiet, the- so maybe we wow. ran, maybe I maybe I ran them off. I didn't block any of the ones who were talking shit before, including the two motherfuckers who actually sent me a DM. So, hey, you know the uh, more wow. maybe we maybe we've all learned a valuable lesson, and I'm not I'm not baiting anything. Uh, yeah. All right, the, the, that's I mean it. I feel like. Maybe you presented like a plausible argument to them that they could not yeah, like, right. deny. Yeah, right. Whatever. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, like right. maybe you did. You have more faith and, or, than I do. Or maybe they just haven't listened to the episode. Yeah, maybe I, I'm saying maybe I ran them <laughs> off. Hey, you never know. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. That's it for me too. Oh. So yeah, bye. <laughs>